Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. The clothes that I'm wearing, but I, I picked them out myself. <laughs> she didn't lay them out for you. No, huh? I picked them out myself. There was only three choices, so I, <laughs> I did pretty good. You, and you match your wife. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty impressed, my friend. Well, hey, uh, I'd like to pray for my friend here uh, and, and, and uh, our youth pastor before he brings the message. You don't mind if I do that? I suppose it's okay. <laughs> Is he sure? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Father, I thank you for Matthew. And uh, I know that you have been affirming uh, the call on his life in the last several weeks um, amidst the stress and the chaos um, you're speaking and you're very clear with what you're speaking and I thank you um, Lord I trust you with my friend I have no doubt no doubt that uh, good things are are going to, to happen in the town of Zanesville through this young man and his family but that's in three or four weeks I bring him before you now that you speak into his heart and speak through his heart. Anoint him with your spirit. And for us, may we listen. May we listen to what you have to say to our heart, both individually and collectively. And uh, may we apply whatever it is and be quick to act on it. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Stephen. Well, uh, first and foremost, before we go anywhere else, let's, let's just open with a word of Scripture. I want to read for us out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verses 13 through 18. It says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven and, will, and with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Hold on. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for what it means for our lives, how it shapes us, changes us, and forms us. May it do that this morning through the power of your Spirit. Amen. You know, it's easy in this day and age to get wrapped up in the end times. 
right? And I'm not shooting any shots here. If you're a kind of an end times guy, if you, you like revelation, you like to study that stuff, that's great. I love it because that's scripture, right? That's important. But it's easy to look at the world around us and get very consumed with our daily lives saying, this is it. Not much more left. There, the time's running short. Jesus has got to be coming back. I mean, look what's happening over across the seas. Look what's happening here. Look what's happening over there. Look what's happening in this person's life and their lives. And it's very easy to get consumed with what we see to be the end coming. And while I believe and I hope for what was described here in 1 Thessalonians, I think about the words of the songs we just sang, and I think about some of my years growing up. I remember some of the questions I had growing up in the church was, I'm like, so... Like, in heaven, we're just going to, like, stand around and sing songs to God all the time? Like, that doesn't sound very fun to me. And truthfully, I don't really know what every second of eternity is going to be like. But when I sing things like, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, I could sing that forever. He's done so much. He's done so much in my life that I, I couldn't help but say those words. And, and he's done so much in my life, and I see his work so much in the world around me that the idea of sitting in perfection with the God who has enabled all of that, that sounds like a really welcoming thing. But the fact of the matter is, is until the end time comes, the end time hasn't come yet. Until the end times come, it hasn't come yet, which means we must be about the business that God has for us in our daily lives. Not what's tomorrow, not what's three years from now, but what is it today? What does he call me to today? What is the action? What is the, the plan? What is the mission that God has for me in this world, in this moment? Right now. With whatever abilities or disabilities I have. With whatever finances or lack of finances I have. What is it he's called me to? I have to confess, this has probably been the most difficult sermon for me to develop and write my whole time here. And I think there's lots of reasons for that. One of those reasons is... In this time, I will not be able to say all the things I want to say about all the things I've experienced or all the things each one of you has meant to me. That's one. And two, this time as we gather together as a body of believers, as a congregation united on mission with God, is not about me. It's about us. And it's about God. It's about what God has done. It's about what God is doing. It is about what God has enabled and called us to. And yeah, along the way, we celebrate the faithfulness. But we don't gather on Sunday mornings because Matthew Kirkpatrick is here. We gather on Sunday mornings because Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. So we celebrate that. But I have in the last 
several weeks, spent a lot of time reflecting on my last six years here. And if you haven't heard the news, I'll kind of illuminate. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I accepted a call to be the lead pastor of a church, Zanesville Northside Church of the Nazarene in Zanesville, Ohio. And so we'll be leaving Wapakonez. Uh, we'll be leaving Wapakoneta. Uh, we'll be leaving the relationships and the community that has formed us and shaped us over the last six years. We'll be leaving the community that two of our children were born into. And the oldest is the only one he remembers. You know, this is the longest that I have ever attended a church in my entire life. You guys, this church, the longest I've ever attended a church in my life. And that's not because along the way there were churches that we needed to leave and go somewhere else and there were issues or problems or whatever, but it's not to say that that was the case all the time. No, many of the churches I was a part of were very good, healthy, vibrant churches. It's just the nature of being a military kid. I moved around. And so I've never been one to really know what it's like to dig deep roots. Uh, some of you in this room right now grew up in Wapakoneta, and you still live in Wapakoneta, and it's possible that you run into people that you knew in high school or middle school when you're going to Walmart, and that's just the life you're kind of accustomed to. I can't imagine that. I literally cannot imagine that. I would be completely flabbergasted to run into somebody that I knew in middle school. In fact, I probably wouldn't even recognize them because I have no idea who they are. I don't remember a single kid in middle school's name that I knew when I was in middle school. I don't remember a single one. It's not to say those relationships weren't important and forming at that time, but, but it's just the way my life has, has led me. And so there's something significant, for me anyway, about the longevity here. I think back to six years, and I think back to some of the conversations I had with Stephen and the board and the hiring process, and uh, I don't remember exactly how it was phrased, but uh, more or less, Stephen was like, you know, we really don't want somebody who's just going to be here for like six months and then be like, see ya. He didn't say it that way. But what he was doing was he was, he was being a good shepherd, and he said, hey, these people I care about. There are people I want to tend to their spiritual needs, and, and what they need is somebody to invest in them. They don't need somebody who's going to come in, and they're going to build some emotional connections with, and then he's going to jump out and just be like, see ya, I used you to get to my next higher position. He's like, I don't want that. And I was like, I don't want that either. And he's like, okay, good. So we're, we're on the same page. Sounds good. I think about all those moments and all those times where, I mean, I didn't really know what the next thing was, the next step was. Along the way, over the last six years, it wasn't as if, peel back the curtain a little bit, it wasn't as if I was always looking for an opportunity to go somewhere or to do something else. In fact, I'd say I never really was. Really, the, the crux of this, you know, was while I was away on my deployment, what had happened was, is the full-time chaplain position for the state of Ohio, for the National Guard, came vacant. And I saw that email come across my email inbox, and I was like, nope, not interested in that. I've never wanted to be full-time military. I've, I like the part-time thing. I like being able to put my civilian clothes on and get a break from the military every once in a while. 
So I deleted that email not thinking a second about it. And then it was a day later I got a second email from somebody else who'd received that job notification and they sent it specifically to me. And they said, hey, I don't know if you saw this, but you need to like, think about this. You, you need to be interested in this. So I said, okay. Took that as kind of a sign. So I, I applied for it and I didn't get it. And then I began to think, why on earth would I experience that like kind of a release for a second in order to seemingly not go where I thought God's will was leading me in that moment and in that time. It was very easy in that environment to think, well, this is what God had prepared me for. Because if I went back three or four months before the deployment, I began to feel a sense that God was leading me in a different direction. I didn't know what that meant. But I began to sense that he was doing something in me that I I didn't quite know what it was yet, and I needed to kind of unearth it and figure it out. And then the deployment happened, and I was like, well, that's it. Right? He was preparing me for this, to say your life's going to get completely uprooted and disheveled, and everything you know and every constant you have is going to be different for the next 12 months. That seemed like a pretty drastic change to me, and I was like, clearly this was it. And it must be that this deployment was the preparation for me to to step into full-time military service. That must be what God was doing. And yet he wasn't. And so even in that, I didn't say, okay, well, now's my opportunity to jump ship because I've already kind of made the, the emotional break. I was like, okay, well, that wasn't it, so I'll just have to reassess what it is later on when I get home. And in the meantime, behind the scenes, unbeknownst to me, the state chaplain for Ohio began to reach out to all the district superintendents. If you don't know the structure of the Church of the Nazarene, there's, there's local churches and then the, the local churches make up a district. So a conglomerate of churches in a region kind of make a district. And so the district superintendents of all of the regions in Ohio got a personal email from Chaplain Burris and he said, hey, here's this guy. I don't know if he's looking to become a senior pastor. I don't know what his plans are, but He's got something that I want you to look at, and I want you to take seriously. And so I received phone calls from several different district superintendents and began to just try to be faithful to, to what it was that I thought God was putting in front of me. Ultimately, long story short, one of those churches developed into the one that called us, that we felt that God was leading us to, that there was something in the timing and in the place that it was just right. As I was reflecting on all those six years and all that time together, I was reflecting particularly, for whatever reason, every pastor has this uh, in, in their, their backdrop. They know that they've preached sermons before that weren't very good, right? I've preached sermons that were kind of duds. And I've preached sermons that I don't remember preaching hardly any words to. There, there are some that I'm like, I pull up my, my Google document and I pull it up and open up the document. I'm like, I don't remember saying any of that. <laughs> and then there are other ones that, that do, for some reason, stick out, even for us. And a couple of the ones that stick out for me are my first two that I preached here. 
Some of you were here, some of you weren't. So allow me to illuminate you. If you were here on December 17th, 2017, you might recall that we read together from Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read the same passage for us this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, says this, the birth, or the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her in secret. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the, Lord, the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Now I know what some of you are thinking. He's a little bit ahead of the calendar right now, kind of creeping into Christmas a little bit. We just talked about harvest dinners tonight. Thanksgiving still has to happen, right? Santa hasn't come on the sleigh yet. Macy's parade happens on Thanksgiving. That's hold on. But the truth is, and this is a soapbox for me. You've probably heard me talk about this before. Christmas? Christmas is all the time. We live in Christmas. Now I get it. There's December 25th on the calendar, right? I'm not losing my mind here. There's a day on the calendar. But Christmas, the celebration that Christ is with us is an everyday thing. Never again do we have to live a life that is not connected to Jesus. Never again do we have to live in a world that has not been impacted by Jesus where Jesus hasn't changed everything. Never again do we have to live like that. Yet some of us choose to. So the truth is, is that when I'm thinking about this, I I remember this Christmas message, and I called it the ultrasound Christmas. Because what we talked about in in that Sunday on December 17th of 2017 was that Mary and Joseph kind of had a glimpse into what this child was supposed to be. The angel came and told them, right? Mary, did you know? Yes, she knew. The angel told her. We don't have to sing about that. (laughs) Pet peeve here. If you love Mary, did you know? God bless you. Go listen to it with your headphones in, please. Uh, But they had a little bit of of an insider scoop. This is what Jesus is going to do. He's going to save his people from their sins. And so they had kind of this image, and I, I reflected at that point in time on the ultrasounds I've received as a parent of my children. And I remember those moments looking at them and, and wondering, man, what are they gonna what are they gonna be? What are they gonna do? What kind of challenges am I gonna have? Where am I gonna fail them as a parent? Where am I gonna succeed as a parent? 
How am I going to help them grow into mature, confident, independent children? And we talked about how the best way to do that and to ensure that happens is by ensuring that we align ourselves with the God who created us. Because he already knows. Jeremiah reminds us that he knows the plans he has for us. Plans to prosper and give us an abundant life. So I remember reflecting on that, that message, the Christmas message. Because our perspectives are limited. We live in a finite world and we are finite beings. And for much as, as much as I dream about what my child might look like on the other end of that ultrasound, I really don't know. For whatever challenges they might have, I really don't know. For whatever successes I would have, I think I probably thought I'd have a lot more successes. And whatever failures I thought I'd have, I thought I'd have a lot less. But here I am, a man trying to figure it out. And God, in his infiniteness, knows exactly what his plans are for us. What the mission is for us. God's perspective runs deeper. God's plans are not just hopes and dreams, but there's desires for us. It's not just that God, as our Heavenly Father, wants us to excel in life, but that He actually has a plan for us to reach it. He knows what we need. It's interesting as I look back on the last six years of my time here, I, I too had hopes and dreams about what this experience would be for me and for my family. And I won't say that in every way it was exactly as I dreamed or as I hoped, but I will say it's been good. Another caveat, good is as good as it gets, okay? Great isn't better than good because when God created the world, every day when he looked on creation, he reflected on it, and God's word for what he created that day was, it is good. Good is as good as it gets. It was good. The last six years were good. I grew a lot. My family grew a lot. My kids have, have blossomed and matured in many ways, and in different ways, they've begun to own their own faith, and there's more of a journey for them still in that, but they've begun to own their own faith and, and begin to, to try to understand some of the complexities of who Jesus is and what Jesus did and why he did it. And they're trying to figure out how that makes a difference in the world they live in and, and how they interact with their friends. And all that's happened over the last six years. God had far more for me than I could have ever imagined, though. And he always does. His plan to use me, to form me, make me, and mold me. But in order to experience all that he was wanting to do in me, I had to be willing to surrender. I'm not the same man I was six years ago. Some of you knew me six years ago, and you might be thinking, no, it's not that different. But I know I'm not the same person I was six years ago. I'm not the same pastor I was six years ago. I'm not the same Christian I was six years ago. I've changed. The world's changed me. 
circumstances have changed me. My life and my walk with Jesus has changed me, and it should. Because if we're not changing, we're dead. I've had a lot of conversations over the last couple months with soldiers as we've come back from this deployment and we've been in transition back into our civilian lives and back into jobs and families and dynamics have shifted and changed and transition is the big word. We're in transition. And I feel like I've been in transition for the last two years. And then as I think about it, I'm like, no, I was in transition before that too. I was like, yeah, I was in transition the year before that too, and the year before that, and the year before that. Like, I'm always, I've always been in transition in some way, because God is always doing something new. So if you feel like you're in transition, and if your hope right now is that one day it'll slow down enough that I'm not in transition anymore and I'm just, I'm just good, I'm set, allow me to break it to you. That ain't going to happen. But I'll also say this. It's not going to happen. But that's a good thing. God loves you too much to let you not be changing. God loves you too much to let you not be changing. I don't remember who said it. Some philosopher once said that a God who is small enough for us to understand him is not a God worth serving. God has to be beyond our understanding. And if God is beyond our understanding and God has made us in his image and God wants to change us and form us into his likeness, then it stands to reason that I will never arrive, but I will always be in transition with God. But that's the key, isn't it? That is the key to a life that is successful in the eyes of the kingdom of God. Is that for many of us, it's very easy for us to say, I'm on a mission for God. I'm doing God's work. I'm about God's business. And I'm doing it for God. That was what my second sermon here was about in January of 2018. You might be familiar with Jake and Elwood, the Blues Brothers. That was their whole thing, right? They were on a mission from God, and nothing was going to stop them because they knew they had to save that orphanage. What we kind of talked about that Sunday was that being on a mission for God is good. It's all well and good. But God's Word actually says that there's more to it than that, too. God's promise is bigger than that. God doesn't just say, hey, I want you to go do this thing for me. Go over there. No, God says, hey, I want you to go do this thing for me. Come on, let's go do this together. Might seem subtle, but it's vastly different. Check out what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's Jesus' words to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. He said, you will receive the Holy Spirit and power. You're not alone. 
But it's so easy in our lives to get wrapped up in this, I want to please God and do God's will, right? That sometimes we find ourselves doing things for God rather than doing them with God. As I think back on my life, prior to coming here, that was a lot of my experience early on in ministry. 2002, I was 12 years old. I knew the Lord had called me to ministry. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, one of the most clear signs He's ever given me in my life was that He called me to be a pastor. And what I thought at the time was that His call was specifically, man, I want you to be a pastor to, to teenagers. Don't worry about those adults. Somebody else will take care of them. If we're being honest, I mean, let's just be honest. We, can we own that for a second? The teens have more fun than we do a lot of times in church, right? Can we just be honest about that? And so it's, it makes sense that as a 12-year-old, I'd say, oh, I want to work with teenagers. I want to do a lot of that fun stuff, that exciting things, and let the older folk just, you know, go sit in their pews and do whatever they do on Sunday morning. But I appreciate it. When Stephen prayed for me this morning, he still called me young man. So I think those days are, those days are shortening and shortening. But I guess in some, some circles, I'm still a young man. So not in the military, though. I'm geriatric over there. But that's a whole nother conversation. So I was confident in my call. And those early years, man, if anything, anything popped up that sounded like it would be something I would be interested in. I would jump at it. I would jump at every opportunity. And the result of that, more than once, was I got burned. And my family got burned. Because we weren't actually testing if this was what God was calling us to do with Him, but instead we were just saying, I want to do the things that I need to do for God. I wasn't surrendering to His plan. I wasn't surrendering to his will. And I wasn't allowing him to to steer the ship and take it where it needed to go. In the military, when you've been working on a particular mission for a certain period of time, there's not really a determinate time for it, but you've been on task, you've been doing something intentionally together. First and foremost, that's an important aspect of it. In the military, you're never tasked to do a mission by yourself. You do it with others. You do it with your team, your squad, your platoon, whomever. You do it with others. You don't do it individually. It's a collective effort. But when you've been doing it for a while, eventually it comes a place in time where the mission needs to shift. You get a change of mission. And the big mission might stay the same. Right? So the big mission that the United States military has had since 2001 in all of our Middle Eastern conflict is to weed out and take out terrorists and terrorist organizations and defend the freedom and protections that we know here in America and enable other countries to experience those freedoms. That's always been the big mission. But as you go in to a certain place or a certain time or a certain aspect of a culture or a region, there's specific missions that guide what you're doing there. I had a specific mission that I can't share with you right now, but I had a specific mission when I was deployed 
the last nine months. There were specifics for it that only applied to us in that circumstance and in that time and in that location. But it all fell under the big mission. It all fell under the same mission. We are united in our mission together with God. And so, just as it is in the military, when it comes time for there to be a change of mission, what happens for the military is, is they issue a new order. This is what you are to do now. You were doing this. Now I want you to do this. And for the most part, it's fairly clear. As it trickles down to the lowest levels, it becomes muddier and muddier and more confusing and more confusing. But for the most part, that's the goal, is that as they give you the new order, it's very clear, this is what I want you to do now. So you stop doing this and you go do this instead. And I don't want to say that God never gives direction that, that's, that is that clear, because I believe sometimes he could. But I don't think he often does. I don't think he often delivers news that clearly and that uh, succinctly. I think it's often sprinkled in throughout our interactions. And as I reflect on my time and my experiences here over the last six years, I can think of lots of moments of sprinkling that God was preparing me for something that first I wasn't aware he was preparing me for, and second, I wasn't really interested in him preparing me for that. I think of conversations I had with people. One time I preached a message and had an older guy in the congregation come up here and talk to me afterwards. And he said, uh, you know, it would really be a shame if we ever lost you here. He said, but there's a dozen churches in this area that need pastors like you. This was like, I don't know, four or five years ago he said this to me. And I was like, well, I'm not going to any of those churches, so I hope they find somebody that's good. That was a moment that God was saying something that maybe I wasn't ready to receive fully. And if I'm being real critical, and I don't mean that in a harsh way, but being real analytical in my own life, maybe part of that is because I wasn't really willing to surrender something in me. Growing up, I told you earlier, I'd have always moved around. I mean, being a military kid, that's part of the gig. And, and one of the things that that's afforded me is I feel like it affords me the opportunity to connect really well with people in different places. I think that's a strength I have is that, man, it doesn't matter to me if I'm in the inner city of Chicago or if I'm in the middle of Wapakoneta, I can find something to connect with people about. Build relationships. And one of the disadvantages of that is that I've never had that home. When people say, hey, where are you from? I always have to say, well, do you mean where do I live right now? Or like where I was born? Or like what's, what are we saying is from? Where's your home? Like, well, where I live right now? And they're like, no, no, no. Like, where, where'd you grow up? I was like, well, 
in elementary school, I was here, and middle school, I was there, and high school, I was there, and then I was also there and there. And so one of the things that I remember longing for in my high school years was that as a father, I would be able to create an environment in which my kids could have that. They could have that place where they, man, I went to elementary school, middle school, high school, there we were. I wanted that for my kids. Because I know what I missed out on, I guess, right? And not that either life is better or worse than the next, but as somebody who missed out on something, you want your kid to experience the thing that you feel like you missed out on, right? And so as I thought about the prospect of moving, first of all, if you've moved a lot, you know it's just not fun. But second of all, that means I got to take my kids out of school. It means they lose the friendships that they've tried to build over the last four or five years. And even with the world of technology that we have today, all that kind of stuff, those friendships are going to fade away for them. They will. And that's okay. But it isn't necessarily what I wanted. And so there takes a moment where you have to surrender. Because being a part of the mission with God is so much better than doing the mission for God. If you want to be on mission with God, it takes some surrender. It takes a willingness to not have it your way all the time. And I know you could look at this transition for us as a family as a, as a career transition where, well, it looks like he's moving up, there's, there's more opportunities, so on and so forth. And in some ways, it is kind of a a step up in some ways, but in other ways it's, it's not either, right? So I don't want to paint it that way because in my heart and in my soul, I know and I believe 100% that when God calls somebody to be a pastor, it doesn't matter if they're a children's pastor or a youth pastor or a senior pastor or a worship pastor or whatever other pastor you want to tag on there, they're a pastor, and one of the things I've appreciated so much about all of you is that you've always treated me as a pastor. That might seem strange that I say that to you, but I've been in places where the youth pastor is relegated to the corner with the youth over there, and it's wonderful that they're doing their wonderful things over there as long as they keep quiet and they don't break anything. You've been gracious enough to not call out the things that they've broken too many times. And you've been gracious enough to allow me to be your pastor, be one of your pastors. And for that, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you allowed me to invest in your lives and in turn invested in my life. Because the other thing about being on mission with God is that I'm not with God just by myself, Lone Ranger. 
We are on mission with God. And so while the, the mission is changing for the Kirkpatrick family, the submission, the big mission still remains for all of us. Going to all the nations, teaching them everything that we've been taught. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Making disciples. We are on mission together. And whether we're in Zanesville, Ohio, and you're in Wapakoneta, Ohio, or you're in whatever other town or place or location, or one day the Lord calls you to go somewhere, what we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt is that as long as we are surrendered to God and His plan, we are on mission together with God, and God will be glorified. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these people, as I said, for the way that they've loved us and encouraged us and allowed space for us to be their pastor and to care for them and to honestly sometimes not always get it right but still be gracious with me. God, I thank you for the reminders that your word gives us that we are better together because you created us to be together and that your promise is true as it was back then it is today that your spirit has descended on us we are anointed by your holy spirit we are empowered by your holy spirit and whether we come or whether we go As long as we are aligned with your spirit, your work is being fulfilled. And we're united. We're bonded. We're strengthened together. Holy Spirit, will you continue to fill us with that power? Will you mold us, make us, form us, and shape us? Will you make us more like Jesus today than we were like him yesterday? For it's in his holy and powerful name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, my friend. Yeah. Um, I want to invite you back. Well, I don't know if you know this, but we're here every Sunday at 11 a.m. He's leaving. Uh, wow. I want to invite you back um, in two weeks. Matthew and I are not going to sermon or message. We're going to have a conversation um, because there's a lot that... Um, can be unpacked. There's a lot of biblical lessons that we can learn and apply to our life in this conversation. Uh, we're going to reflect on six years, um, and we're going to have some laughter. We're probably going to have a little tears, um, but we're really going to discuss what does God do and what do we do in those moments where we think, man, he's calling us to something, and I don't know what it is. How does that apply to our life? I really encourage you to come on that Sunday. It's the last Sunday of November, and we're going to have that conversation, and we're going to celebrate because even though he said he's leaving, we're sending him. We're sending his family. They're not leaving us. They're being sent by God and sent by us. Um, With that said, a couple things that I want to bring to your attention. Number one, um, if you're new here, I really want to encourage you to pull this little card out 
from the back of your seat. It's called a connection card. Yes, it needs work, but I just ask that you fill that out for us. Let us know that you were here because we have a caring team that will care for you. When you give us your address, you got people that will see your name and they'll pray for you. And they'll also send you a card. And that allows us to minister to you in ways that you need throughout the year. Um, number two, when we say amen and we're done, I would like to ask anybody that has capable bodies and hands and feet to just drive over to the Junior Fair building and invest 15 minutes of your time to set up tables and chairs because you're pretty amazing when you work together. And then you can go home, eat food, and watch football until there's more food later, okay? And then it looks like Sandy has got something. You're chomping at the bit, and you're like, hey, I need to talk. You want the mic? Sure. As you are aware, Pastor Appreciation Month was last month, but we've had the hardest time getting Matthew and Stephen here at the same time. Whether it was through emergencies with his family or in his service in the military. So I'd like to invite Chris and Matthew and Amy up. We appreciate them and all they do. We know that it's not easy being a pastor. And there's a lot of time when we call on them at strange hours of the night, or they get a text that says, can you come do this? Or are you aware this is happening in the community? I know I've you know, sent stuff to both of them. Are you aware this is going on in our community? And they're like, nope, but we're on it. And so the congregation has put together these baskets of cards. Sure, you can keep them, but you can buy them in Walmart. So. <laughs> Um, but these are just cards from our congregation thanking you for what you have done for this church. And as you said, Matthew, you're not done. You might be done here in a couple weeks, but you are definitely not done with the mission. Sorry, I said I wasn't going to do that. But we want to thank them, but we're not just done there. Part of it is my voice is going out again. We have two retired pastors in our congregation that I would like to ask to come up. I'd like Ed and his wife to please come up. He has retired from the Nazarene Church as of last year, where he was a pastor at Mima First Church. And we know retired pastors are tired, but they're like retired teachers. They never retire. They're still always. So we have something for you guys. And then Lana and David. David has stepped in and covered for Stephen while he's been gone. And um, we're celebrating Veterans Day as well today. And David was a is a retired chaplain. And this is for you. And we are blessed at Wapak Naz. We have four pastors in, within the walls of this church that pray for us. Five, 
sorry, I forgot. We have four men standing here, but Amy is also an ordained pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. So it's Pastor Amy and Pastor Stephen. So Amy, yay. <laughs> but we are blessed to have these guys as, a, as members of our congregation. And we thank you for what you have done for our church and what you have done for other churches and what you do for the communities where you reside. And, uh, you know, we know that the work of God is never done. And whether you're retired or just starting out, you're on a mission. And we thank you that your mission has included Wapak Nas. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for these men and women standing in the front of this church. We thank you for listening to the call that you gave them and for their ministry within their various assignments. We know that it's not just the, the pastor of the family, but it's, it's the team because no, no one works alone. And we know that the spouses are right there with them as they do the various things that you have asked them to do. And Jesus, we thank you for their dedication to our church and for their dedication to you and the mission that they have given them. We pray that you will continue to bless them wherever God leads them. Help them to always listen to your will and help us as a congregation to always be supportive and to be lifting them in prayer. Because, dear Jesus, we all work together for the good of you. In thy name we pray. Amen. Uh, no. No. Stop. 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 Man, we want to be invisible so that Jesus can be visible. Right? We... We know that you love us. We appreciate you. Um, so, folks, will you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength? And will you please love your neighbor as yourself? We will see you tonight at 5 o'clock. Food starts at 5.30. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.